Dear songwriter, I turned 35 years old a few weeks ago. So as a tribute to that sort of kind of milestone, in this episode, I'm going to finish outlining 35 things that I have learned over the course of my career as a songwriter and artist that have allowed me to tour the country and internationally, get featured on major publications, produce music videos in Los Angeles and New York City, and build my dream songwriting coaching business. Just a heads up that this is part two of two of this series. Part one was released last week. So after you listen to this episode, be sure to go back and check out part one. My name is Connor Frost. I'm a professional songwriting coach who's helped hundreds of songwriters to write their first collection of songs. And this is Dear Songwriter, the podcast to help you confidently write and release your music so that you can live your most musical and creative life. Let's get into it. Okay, welcome back as always. So yeah, like I said, part one was last week. I gave you one through 18. Today on this episode, I'm gonna give you 19 through 35. So number 19, if someone is doing something for you for free, don't be surprised if it takes longer than if you were to pay someone to do the same thing. Makes sense. Say what you want about the world that we live in, but people are motivated by money and people are going to get things done faster If you pay them, I have conversations with people a lot where, to be honest, they play the victim. They say, well, I can't find anyone to help me. And I ask a follow up question. What is this relationship? Are you looking for a collaboration or are you looking to hire someone? And they say, well, I don't have a lot of money right now, so I'm looking to just collaborate. And I get it. Right. I've been there. I totally understand. But if you're looking for that, there needs to be some patience involved and there needs to be some not being so surprised, right? Because like, think about the other person. Good chance they're going through tough times as well. And their time is limited. They're trying to do their music thing. And so they have to prioritize work that's gonna get them paid. And not to say that I haven't gotten people to help me out for free, I absolutely have. All I'm saying is that if you're going that route, there has to be some patience, there has to be some understanding, and you shouldn't be surprised if it's gonna take longer have to ask yourself, okay, does it make sense to try and save up to then invest in hiring someone? Maybe they'll actually do a better job. That's the other side of this. Or do I keep searching and just kind of be a little bit more patient with my search, but playing the victim is not going to be helpful. Okay, number 20, Guitar Center and Walmart have very flexible return policies. So I told this story before. It was 2012. We were doing a music video shoot in my parents' house slash backyard. And the director, Alex, at the time, he wanted us to go get a bunch of Walmart sheets, cheap sheets, because we were creating this dream sequence scene and we were hanging up a bunch of these white sheets on clotheslines in my parents' backyard. So we go to Walmart, we probably get $300 worth of white sheets, cheap cardboard, sandpaper feeling type of sheets. We use them for the music video. The whole time I'm thinking to myself, okay, we gotta keep these clean. I'm telling everyone, okay, keep these clean. We're gonna return them. Obviously that did not happen. They got wet, they got damp, they got dirty. I don't even know how. I ended up washing them. Shout out to my parents. They were prime washer dryer in my childhood home. Couldn't really get them dry. If you go to wash too many things, like they just don't really dry because there's just too many things going on. So I'm just like, screw this. I'm too tired. We just done two days straight of shooting. So I literally just take these damp sheets out of the dryer and I stuff them into these bags. Some of them didn't even fit into the bags. I bring them back to Walmart. I go to the return table. I was thinking to myself, you know what? Worst case, they just say, 
they're not going to take them back. They took back every single one. My guy at the front desk, I don't even looked at the sheets. He just took them, he threw them in a pile, and he gave me all of my money back. Guitar Center, similar thing. Not going to get into that too much, but Guitar Center has a very flexible return policy. <laughs> Number 21, don't be afraid to ask your friends for help. They may actually be stoked to get involved. So believe it or not, people like to help. And people especially like to help people out in the arts, right? Because people are fans of music. People are fans of art. And if they can feel like they are involved, they might be stoked about it. So I'll use my friend Carrie as an example who has helped me out countless times over the course of my career. 2014, we were shooting another music video and we used her place in Manhattan Beach, California, which was very nice. And I was really self-conscious about it. I was like, we have to move all this furniture. Like, I don't know, this is kind of intrusive. But I just asked her straight up and she was so stoked about it. She was like, that's awesome. If I can provide my apartment to help you out with this music video, that's amazing. And credited her in the music video gave her a shout out and she was stoked. So I think we have this insecurity of like, oh, we're bothering people, this, that, and the other thing. People like to feel like they're helping. Instead of thinking I'm bothering someone, think of it as I'm giving someone the opportunity to be involved in a project. Within reason, of course. I'm not saying that you should ask them to get you coffee every day of the year. Number 22, you can absolutely write an entire song on just four chords. So for all my self-taught guitarists out there, who's primarily who we work with, because me and Julie are also self-taught guitarists, you can write a song on just four chords. Could it be helpful to know more chords or to include more chords? Possibly. But I think oftentimes it's not necessarily a matter of needing more chords, and it might just be a matter of needing more contrast with your melodies from verse to chorus, etc. Because if you have contrast in your melody, there's no reason you can't use those same four chords because you have that differentiation. The example I've given on this podcast in a previous episode is Semisonic Song, Closing Time, which is a certifiable hit. So check that song out. It's really just four chords. I think in the bridge, they do venture out a little bit, but the idea is they create contrast, not through the chords. So if you're feeling that insecurity about where you are with your guitar, just know that. Number 23, it may be necessary for songwriting to feel like work if you're trying to consistently write and release your music, and that's okay. I think a lot of times when we are working a full-time job or we have a stressful life, which I would say is probably most of us in some capacity, we want music to be that escape. We want songwriting to be that blowing off steam moment. And that's great. And it should be that. But I think that works to an extent. Depending on what your goals are, if you're trying to get your music out there, if you're trying to become a professional songwriter, there are going to be moments that feel like work. And that's why I think finishing songs is always harder than starting songs. Starting songs is fun. It's fresh. It's new. Finishing means addressing what doesn't sound great. Finishing means changing things up that need to be changed. And that can feel like work. And that's where a lot of people get derailed. And that's okay. Like, I don't know that songwriting needs to be fun and games all the time. It's okay if it's tedious. And I think we should expect that it will be tedious at times. Because if you truly love something and if you're passionate about it, you'll work through those moments and you'll get out the other side that much more fulfilled. Number 24, if you don't make mistakes publicly, you may never learn from them. I think the best way to learn above taking classes, courses, is to make mistakes, right? Like if you don't make those mistakes, you're not gonna know that they're wrong and you're not gonna be able to learn from them. This is why I think like recording yourself is super important and listening back as cringy as it might be is so important. Because if you don't hear those mistakes, how are you going to change them? 
So if you kind of exist in this perfect world where mistakes are never made and no one tells you that they're mistakes or you don't hear that they're mistakes, how are you going to progress? What I was saying last episode, how shows are live rehearsals. I was able to become a better performer, a better songwriter through writing a lot of terrible songs and learning from them, playing a lot of terrible shows and learning from them. But I do think the public mistakes is important because that hits on another level that's scary, but that's where you're going to learn from them. If you're just making mistakes privately, A, you might not even recognize it as a mistake. B, it's not going to hit the same way. So those public mistakes, that missed note that you're singing on stage, that weird lyric that you wrote that doesn't actually make any sense, those are the public mistakes that will allow you to really progress. Hey, songwriter, real quick. I want to let you know that my calendar is open at the time of recording this, which means I am accepting free what I call just start calls. This is a one-on-one call with me or my team member, and we are going to set a goal for your music. We're going to address where maybe you're having some issues, and if it feels like a good fit, tell you a little bit about what it would be like to work with me and my team on your songwriting so that you can take that next step in your songwriting career. Okay, that's pretty much it. Oh, wait, sorry, you got to go to connorfrost.com, C-O-N-N-O-R Frost, F-R-O-S-T dot com slash call, C-A-L-L, and you can book that free call. Hope to see you there. Okay, now let's get back to the show. Number 25, no one else needs to understand why you want to do this except for you. I think we expect too much of people, and I think we need to stop that. Why is it so important for our friends to understand what we're doing? Why do we need their approval so badly? I think that stems from caring about what other people think. Maybe that stems from our own insecurities with like, I'm not sure if I should be doing this. It'd be really nice if someone told me that I should, and that way I can or feel like I can. But the truth is, even people who are doing the same thing or seemingly doing the same thing, they don't need to fully understand. Right, and that was one of the things we talked about at the end of the retreat that we hosted last month here in Vermont. I told my students, I was like, listen, don't feel like, your mom needs to understand or your dad needs to understand what this weekend was like because they're not going to understand. They weren't here. And I think the same can be said about your songwriting journey and your musical journey. Number 26, a chorus will only feel like a chorus if it contrasts with the verse. So I think context is everything. A hook can only be a hook depending on how you set it up and how you come out of it. A chorus is only going to feel like a chorus, that part where everyone can sing along if it's set up in a way that it's differentiated from other parts of the song. Getting clear on what are the characteristics of your verse, what are the characteristics of your chorus, and do they have this contrast that will make the chorus feel like it's standing alone? Because if it just sounds like the verse, or if it sounds too similar to the verse, it's probably just going to sound like a continuation of the verse, and it's not going to feel like a chorus. And I guess the same can be said about other parts of the song as well. Number 27, bring your best to every show on tour, regardless of crowd size. It's someone's first time seeing you play. So the story that I gave or that I have given, is I played this afternoon show. This was back in 2013 in Connecticut. It was kind of like an off-day show. I don't think we put too much stock in it. But it was basically just the barista, the guy that I was touring with, and this one woman who was sitting in the crowd. I played my set, and after the set, this woman comes up to me, tells me that she heard about me through the local radio, and she really liked my stuff, and she said that she also has a radio show, and she would love for me to go on it the next time I rolled through that town. All this to say is that it doesn't matter if there's one person or there's 
18,000 people. For some people, it's going to be the first time seeing you perform and you should bring your best. Number 28, if your lyrics are good, people will listen to them. I had someone tell me recently, it was a prospect I was on the phone with, someone who's interested in my program. And she was like, yeah, I just feel like people don't really listen to lyrics. So I don't really pay attention to them too much. I'm only going to bring up Taylor Swift just because I find that the Taylor Swift mania these days is on another level. I think she's a great example of this. Sure, she has catchy melodies, but a lot of times when I talk to Taylor Swift fans, and there are a lot, <laughs> many of them are my clients, their first thing they talk about are the lyrics. Let's not ignore lyrics. And, and I used to be the same way. I used to be like, oh, melody is so much more important, but lyrics are going to enhance your melody and vice versa. And if your lyrics are good, people are going to listen to them. Now, if your lyrics are good and your melodies aren't good, then you might actually have an issue as well. But that's a story for another day. So that's number 28. If your lyrics are good, people will listen to them. Number 29, you have as much of a right as anyone to express yourself through your songs. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I feel that creativity and self-expression is our right. And if you have people telling you that you can't do this or you shouldn't do this, it's just not true. Regardless of your innate talent, regardless of your family background, there's no reason that if Beyonce can do this, that you can't. Will you achieve the same level of fame as Beyonce? Probably not. But you have just as much of a right as her, as much of a right as Taylor Swift, as much of a right as Bob Dylan to express yourself. And if we don't have that, what do we have? That's freedom right there. And so if you're not giving yourself that right, or if you feel like you don't have that right, then you are depriving yourself of certain freedoms that you are entitled to. Number 30, songs are meant to be shared. Art is meant to be shared. I've gotten some pushback on this. I believe that if you're writing songs, you should share your songs. And I've gone back and forth on my stance on this, but I'm pretty hardline on this now. I believe that art is meant to be shared. And I think by withholding art, you are depriving people of the opportunity to better themselves through consuming your songs, through listening to your songs. And I think that withholding your songs, there's always going to be a personal reason attached to that. It's attached to ego, right? You're worried it's not ready. You're worried uh, it's not perfect. You're worried about what other people will think. You're worried about what you might think. But art is meant to be shared. And if you have this gift, I think you should share that gift. Hopefully that's not too TED talky or overly inspirational, but I, I truly mean it. <laughs> Number 31, iced coffee is a year-round beverage. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't order iced coffee during a cold New England winter. Don't let anyone tell you that, oh, why would you get iced coffee? It's all about the ritual of brewing the hot coffee. If you enjoy drinking iced coffee, there are no limits to when, how, where you can drink that. So I am with you on this, and I will be till the end of time. Number 32, quality over quantity, always. But you may need quantity to get to quality. Kind of goes back to what I was saying about learning through making public mistakes. The more reps you get in, the more quality is going to come out. I phrase that strangely, but hopefully that makes sense. So like you might need to write 10 terrible songs before you get to one good one. And I think studying, researching, reading, doing all that before you write a song, I think there's value to it. But like I was saying before, you learn the most through doing and through making those mistakes. So yes, quality over quantity. I'm not out here saying that quality isn't important, but you need those reps to get to quality. Number 33, it's never too early to press record. So I think a lot of you are afraid to press that record button. And I don't think it's because you're afraid of what other people will think. Maybe it is, but I think it's because you're afraid of what you might think. You don't want to listen back to 
yourself. I know this because I've been there as well. Through pressing record, you are going to learn so much and you're going to become such a better performer through getting that feedback and hearing yourself that I really think it's never too early to press record. Now, am I saying you should go into the studio tomorrow? Depends on your situation. But we have so many different devices now, so many different tools where we can get that immediate feedback through pressing record on, on our voice memos, using GarageBand, whatever it might be. And I don't think it's ever too early to do that. So if you're feeling that resistance, know that it's there and know that I hear you and know that I think it's a vital step in your journey if you are having trouble pressing record. Number 34, be okay with your first draft sounding terrible. Otherwise, you have no reason for a second draft. Piggybacking off that. I think we need to think in drafts. And I, I posted something the other day that the first draft is all about getting your ideas out of your head and onto quote unquote paper. But it's the second, third, and fourth drafts that turn those ideas into actual songs. If we think of it that way, we alleviate this pressure of like, oh, I need to knock it out of the park right away. Because you're not going to on that first draft. So allow yourself to have that brain dump, so to speak, that is a first draft, and then go back and make that first revision, that second revision, that third revision. Authors of books would tell you the same thing, to just get it out and then go back later and revise. Okay, last one, number 35. Life is short, might as well make music. I know it sounds cliche, life is short. We've heard it before. But honestly, I've been really locking into this recently. And I think this also helps with like what I was saying before about not caring what other people think. It's like recently I've just been like, why does it matter? And I don't mean that in like a morbid way necessarily, but it's like if we're here for a limited time, why would we deprive ourselves of these opportunities to make music? We're so concerned with what other people think. We're so concerned with what we think of ourselves. At the end of the day, like, does that matter? Screw it. After we go, people's lives move on. So why would you not make music? Why would you let certain things get in the way of you making music? We get so wrapped up and we get so emotionally tied. And at the end of the day, it's like, life is short. Let's make music. So... As I said at the beginning of this episode, this was a two-parter. I'm just going to summarize what I just said because I want you to go back to the last episode so that you can hear the other 18. Number 19 was if someone is doing something for you for free, don't be surprised if it takes longer than if you were to pay someone to do the same thing. Number 20, Guitar Center and Walmart have very flexible return policies. Number 21, don't be afraid to ask your friends for help. They may actually be stoked to get involved. Number 22, you can absolutely write an entire song on just four chords. Number 23, it may be necessary for songwriting to feel like work if you're trying to consistently write and release your music, and that's okay. Number 24, if you don't make mistakes publicly, you may never learn from them. Number 25, no one else needs to understand why you want to do this except for you. Number 26, a chorus will only feel like a chorus if it contrasts with the verse. Number 27, bring your best to every show on tour regardless of crowd size. It's someone's first time seeing you play. Number 28, if your lyrics are good, people will listen to them. Number 29, you have as much of a right as anyone to express yourself through your songs. Number 30, songs are meant to be shared. Art is meant to be shared. Number 31, iced coffee is a year-round beverage. Number 32, quality over quantity always, but you may need quantity to get to quality. Number 33, it's never too early to press record. Number 34, be okay with your first draft sounding terrible. Otherwise, you'd have no reason for a second draft. Number 35, life is short, might as well make music. Okay, thank you all so much. Like I said, this was part two, so go back, listen to part one. Hopefully this brought you some value. I had a lot of fun doing this. Until next week, 
happy writing and thanks for being here. Oh, if you could leave a review, that would be awesome. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, um, if you could leave a review, definitely helps me out. If you are listening on Spotify, you can do like a little rating, a little five-star rating. That would be much appreciated. That's pretty much that. Thanks so much. Talk to you next week.